0: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo. With your host, Patrick Moran.
1: all right what is going on everybody how you doing welcome to talking buffalo we are live here at imperial pizza 1035 ever road good food good times i am joined by wgr on-air talent and also host of the lockdown sabers podcast and i'll get to this story in a minute just found out recently <laughs> Actually, we're cousins, and we're we waiting. are cousins, Pretty Wild, man. Joe DiBiase. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? What's
2: up, Pat? We think second cousins, right? Yes, yeah, second figured cousins.
1: Out? We so I'll, I'll give the shorter version of what's kind of a sad story, yep. but this was a pretty cool nugget of information. Yeah, to come from a sad story. Uh, um, maybe three, four weeks ago or so. Um, my sister's husband died. That's awful, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, was at the funeral, and a cousin of mine, Marsha. Older than me, who I had not seen probably in 30, 35 years. I don't know. I was pretty much a kid last time I seen her. Yep. Uh, She came up to me. She knows. She talks to my mother all the time. And, you know, my mom talked about my podcast. She knows I have a podcast, this and that. So she starts naming off people that she knows. And she said somebody from WGR. And at first it was (laughs) somebody who's not, who doesn't work at WGR. I I think she might have said the name. Chad or something. Chad? I I, I don't know any Chad at WGR. I, I, I cannot remember. But um, so, you know, and, and I know everybody at WGR, sure. not necessarily personally, but I certainly know of everybody who works at WGR. So that conversation went as it went. And then maybe a half hour or so later, she came out to me and she goes, The name is Joe. Yeah. I said, Joe DiBiase? Yep. And uh, she goes, Yeah. She goes, You're cousins. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> cousins. I was like, We're cousins. I was like, We're cousins. I'm like, Well, okay. So I talked to my mother after the funeral. Yeah. And as it turns out, I got I have it written down so I don't forget this. I was
2: gonna say because you've told me maybe twice already, and I keep forgetting. So like, do what I, I keep forgetting? Is. So I wrote
1: it down. Yeah. Your great grandfather yep. is my grandmother's brother, which makes us my
2: second cousins. My great-grandfather is your grandmother's brother. Yes. Okay.
1: I'm not gonna
2: forget that again. You will I probably will forget You're it dabbling again. In All it we need to know again. is we're second cousins. We are related.
1: <laughs> we are second cousins, we're related. Which yeah. is funny because up until seven six days ago i mean i you've been on the show before so i yep. know you obviously i you know i follow you on the radio and stuff but we never met in person no i right. has been twice in a week because last friday we were at a sales birthday party and yes. that was the first time that i met you and your fiance and yep. my wife was there so yeah man this is twice in a week now i'm together with joe pretty cool stuff
2: i'm glad you had me out here too i just i lived right uh, a couple streets over and mm-hmm. i love this place so um some good wings right before
1: we did what do we have? So we had, those wings. We went with we had Cajun Medium. We had
2: Which were amazing. Thank you for that, by the way. He Pat asked me beforehand, like, okay, what kind of wings do you like? I'm I like, did. all right. I'm I'm already I'm doing like a food thing too. Wings are actually not that bad. Like I'm not doing keto, but wings are fine for like they explain keto, that for when instance.
1: you say you're doing a food thing. What is, what do you mean? Just
2: by that? like I'm trying to eat healthier. Um it's it's a it's not quite a program, but it's like a it's like a timed eating thing kind of where just don't go off the rails, don't eat like five slices of pizza. And wings, like... (laughs) It's tough to come here and not do that. I I know. Like, honestly, probably, like, air-fried wings are, like, a good thing to do on this. Mm -hmm. These wings are fine, though, as long as you're not doing, what, like, the sugariest sauce of all time? And you're like, okay, what kind of wings do you like? I'm like, Cajun. Love Cajun. And Cajun's, it's not that bad for you, right? Like, it's it's just Cajun
1: seasoning, maybe a little butter on there, right? We we had, so we had Cajun medium, which were kind of almost like a dry rub tonight. Yeah. God,
2: those were really
1: good. We had... Hot garlic.
2: Oh, parm. those I did not request. And like you were speaking my language. That's usually like a go-to order of mine anywhere.
1: It's funny because up until last week, I had never had those before in my life. I've oh, had garlic parm. i never hot out. garlic parm. And me, Joe Yurden, and, and Rachel Hotmeyer. last week here, yep. we had those. I was like, well, I got to try these again. Because you know how it is, Joe. We were talking about this over dinner. Sometimes you'll go to a place and you'll get some wings and you'll be like, oh my God, these are so good. Yeah, And then you think about them. And then you'll come back to wherever that place may be, and you get them again, and they're like nowhere's near as good. You yeah, know? you need
2: that. You need that consistency, right?
1: And this place, of nothing I, else is consistent.
2: I mean, I've been here a million times, and I've had the wings a million times, and they've always been just dynamite. Like one one of those places where you don't have to tell them to make
1: them extra crispy. Yeah, they just know. And we had a third. I can't remember. I already forgot the third kind. What What were the third? kind? The third
2: kind were were they sweet chili, chili pepper.
1: Chili pepper. Chili pepper. And they, they, were, they good. were bad. They were bad. They were all right. Yeah. Man,
2: but, little you know, a little sticky. A little clean up after the watch. fact, but
1: they watch. were a
2: nice change of pace, I would say, from the other
3: two. Yeah.
1: yeah. Really good stuff, man. As always, man. Like I said, and I say it every week here, Imperial Pizza is one of the most it, consistent places of anywhere yeah. that you'll go, man. Good crowd tonight. It was a great. Best family dinner I've had in a, in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, you, you have spent a lot of time. You live in South Buffalo, so you're, you're yep. familiar. Some of the guests that I have come through here have never been First here time? before, they don't know the neighborhood whatsoever. They're yeah. like, Is this Orchard Park? Is this Lackawanna? I'm like, yep. no, this Imperial Pizza is the heart of South Buffalo. And yep. I've said this many times, you and i and you know this. We were just talking about this being a bar you went to a lot. yeah yep. Um, yep. In, Imperial pizza and Doc Sullivan's. Those are like the Those two are, mainstays of yes. South Buffalo. Like when you think South Buffalo, you think Doc Sullivan's, yep. and you think um, Imperial pizza. Those t-shirt. were Friday nights
2: for me for a long time. Imperial, then Doc Sullivan's, I told you. Sometimes if you're really going wild that night, you'd end up at, uh, Molly's. at Molly's. Shit show at Molly's Yeah, at 3 o'clock in the morning. You didn't packed. It's it still something is. A, something about, like, you had a great time there. You didn't always feel great about yourself, though, when you look at your watch. It's 3.45 in the morning, and I'm at Molly's. What is happening right now? Yeah. But it's, it's a good spot,
1: too. It's still the same, by the way. I've yeah. done that a couple times recently. Been there way later than that. Oh, yeah, Olympics. I'm sure. You can always tell when Doc Sullivan's closes, because it closes first. About yes. 20 minutes afterwards. Molly's just getting mobbed here in South Buffalo.
2: I'm not surprised they're they're the same. I am. I'm not surprised that it's not the same here. But even a couple of years ago, I moved out of South Buffalo. What 2019, 2020, maybe right before COVID. Mm-hmm. And I mean the 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 new like seating area over here. I don't know how new it is. Maybe it can't be more a couple. It's years ago, It's a handful though, right? of
1: years old. I think they re they remodeled it and expanded this place. I I, I want to say don't, don't quote me on this for sure, but like maybe two years yeah. before COVID. It is literally night and day. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and the, the whole place, like, it used to be packed in here, and you would have, like, there would be a couple tables, and you'd have the bar area, and it was, you know, it was roomy enough, but now it's, like, yeah, it's a, it's a scene here. It's a nice spot. It's, it's tons what, of space. Plant,
1: we're in South Buffalo, so there's plenty of Pat Kane jerseys. There's a lot of Patrick Kane jerseys. There, I think there's, like, five different versions of a, I was gonna, of just, a Pat Kane jersey. Just in my
2: view, there's three. <laughs> and there
1: has to be two
2: hanging around somewhere else. Yeah. They've got a good mix here, though. I like that they don't just go all Buffalo. Joe Montana. Why not?
1: Oh, there's Joe there's Mon- Just
2: open a Brady poster up
1: and you're going you about you want to talk about random. How about your uh, Preston Brown Bills 52 jersey hanging up there? Where is that? Uh, I did not Right know. near the right near the cash register, right in oh, the front wow. of the counter in Preston Brown. Preston Okay, Tim fine. Kennedy, South Buffalo guy right there. That of course. Yep, you got to have that.
2: <laughs> Preston Brown was a pro bowler, yeah, right? Don't quote me on that. No, Maybe he, he wasn't, wasn't a
1: pro bowler. He had like a million tackles. You know how people used to criticize Tremaine Emmons for having yeah. all of his tackles like seven yards down the line of scrimmage before, before this past year. He was really yes. good this year. That yes. was Preston Brown's Bills career. He rack up tackles like six, seven yards um, beyond the line of scrimmage. Not, not That's probably right. Sim Brown, but uh, anyway, so we're taping this live. If people are watching here on the YouTube side or on Twitter or whatever, we're taping this on video side live and uh podcast form will drop in the morning. We don't want to get... Too much into the weeds of a Sabres game going on right now. But as we're taping this here live at Imperial, hell of a first period at least going on right now. Three, two Sabres after one. Crowd's pretty much into it. Well, at least the people that are still here watching the game, kind of a wild first period here while we're eating our wings,
2: man. A a bad night to have the under. That was, But for us sitting down, like watching this, like we watched the first period eating, Mm -hmm. perfect period. Five goals. I mean, I guess you would have preferred Devin Levi didn't allow two in. He finally got beat. He allowed four goals in two two games, but they were all kind of fluky, right? Mm -hmm. Like one goes off a post and off his arm and in. There's deflections. He got beat a couple times, but the three goals and then man, I just I Jeff Skinner's amazing, right? Put 53 in the rafters. I mean, it's just (laughs) I love it. I love that he is got a little rat in him. Everybody needs a little of that on every team, and he's back to scoring goals. So you don't, you know, you're not mad at him for being on the fourth line anymore. Yeah, Skinner's
1: Skinner's a treat. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk some Sabres. We'll talk some Bills in, in just a couple minutes here. Let's start with WGR. Now, now by the way, yeah. this is your second time on the podcast. Again, obviously first time here with me in person. I'm going to put a link in the show notes on the podcast side. I had you back on in May of 2019. And yep. A lot's were, changed. A, a lot has changed. That's what I'm like, whoa. It's changed. only been three years, a little less than three years, but a lot has changed, man. Yeah. Um, You were like written... You were kind of the new kid on the block. Yeah. So to speak, then you know what I mean? And uh you were starting to get your feet wet on on the on-air side. You know, you sure. were doing a lot of producing and stuff like that. And at that time, I I, I think you were gonna be doing uh seven, seven to nine at night. Yeah. Locked on sabres, the podcast which you're doing now, that wasn't a thing then. It was Correct. soon after though.
2: Yeah, very only weeks, I think, after right. that. Yeah.
1: But now, like on the on the radio side here at WGR, obviously, you know, things have changed a lot over the past couple of years. You're pretty much on the air now from 6 in the morning to noon yeah. every day. You're with Jeremy in the morning, and, and you're with uh, Sal Capaccio at the at your Point Show from, from 10 to 2. Let's start by you know, Howard Simon, and, and I have not said it on the podcast. I'm going to say it yeah. now for people watching or, or for listening. Next week, right here at Imperial Pizza Live, I'm going to have Howard Simon with me, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Howard is one of my favorite See, we're here live. Anything can happen. You'll Sabres, know when they score. The Sabers just scored a goal. Who's You'll scored? know who scored here. Uh,
2: was it, it Tage was... again? Someone's holding up a Gergensen. It's Segment's
1: Gergensen. scores four goals here. I love it. This is the live vibe that we were talking about over dinner. Yeah. Where you know or anything, where anything Where was I? My trade thought. Oh, Howard Simon, Howard, man, yeah. one of my all-time favorite people in the Buffalo sports media. Man, a, 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 tr- a good guy who took the job serious, takes sports serious, but never took sports too serious you know Yeah, he didn't treat it like it was the ukraine war you know or sure civil unrest It's sports and he had a good time and howard was he, he, one of the first you know he would poke fun at himself just as much as anyone would, would ever poke fun at him he was really good at self-deprecating humor i but one of my favorite things about howard but anyway you got to work alongside with him for a while now talk about what Howard meant to you at WGR and uh, look, we're not eulogizing Howard. He's still alive alive. and very, very well, by the way, but he has retired recently from WGR. So kind of, I just wanted to get your thoughts on working with Howard on the kind of person he was on the air, off the air, maybe a couple things that you've learned from him during your time around him. Yeah.
2: He, and by the way, he'll be, has he thrown out that first pitch yet for the Bisons? I don't think they've played yet at home. I don't, I don't. He's been loosening that arm up for three days. We need the the weather to cooperate. Um, I mean, I you're right. Like I only did really work with Howard for. I mean, i have been at the station now. The first week I'm at WGR is the week before Rex Ryan gets fired. So it's always the way I remember it. So that's what that's seven years now. Yeah, seven or eight years. It's been a long time, and a lot of that was. You and know, it's
1: 2016, I believe. Yeah,
2: a lot of that's part-time work. You know, doing some updates, and then of course all the all the years producing. Um, so I only really worked with Howard for a year doing that. And when he went down to that limited schedule, it became three days a week. But honestly, like even just listening to Howard since I was six years old, like I've been listening to the station since I was a little kid. Um, and you pick up things along the way about how he leads a show. And then once you get to work with him, you, you mentioned like how seriously he takes the job, he takes the job seriously, but he doesn't take. He doesn't take the the topic as seriously as you, like you said like it's not you know it's not world hunger or right. anything. And he even said that on his last day that like he he wasn't, you know, a firefighter. He wasn't, you that know, was an emotional a doctor. Show. Um it was. Man, it was it was an emotional show. True. Um especially at the end. Like wh- that final segment. If you want to tear up, listen to that final segment back. Um Howard, I mean, his his habits, I mean, he would be that final show. I'll tell you so I'm I'm not quite a, a late riser i'm definitely a night owl so a morning was an adjustment sure. and even still i'll show up you know somewhere between i like to try to get there around 5 30 it usually ends up being more like 5 45 550 do a lot of my work the, the morning before um howard i his final show i showed up at probably 350 no that's not right 450 450 over an hour before the show just i prepared a bunch of opens and stuff and like make sure okay all you know, the guests are squared away just Wanna triple check everything. I got there. This is his final show. Yeah. He's not even leading the show, really. Like we kind of told him, like, we'll handle it. You're good. You just enjoy the ride. And he's still there. He's there when I got there. So over an hour before the show starts, he's there. And like he would always be the first one in. You know, that's a cliche, right? Like do you hear a lot. First one in, last one out. Howard really was that. And man, if you worked with him, you know that giant yellow legal pad. <laughs> he had notes throughout that thing. Yeah, I've heard it. about it. So his preparation and just seeing how he how he treated the job. I mean, that's really what you learn and you take away from Howard. And honestly, this is something I'm still trying to get better at. I'm trying to get. I'm young still. I'm trying to get better as a host. The art of the rant. Yeah. It's not every day you do that, but Howard and Bulldog, especially Jeremy and Mike, of course, are great at it too. But something about when Howard and bulldog would kick it into to sixth gear mm-hmm. when they're when they're really mad about something i mean that that is i think the guy sometimes would tell you they're embarrassed by those moments you don't want them to happen every day because then you you know then you're one of the guys that are on espn every morning
1: but like <laughs> that's true
2: it man. is great radio it's yeah. great radio and like that's a small thing too that i took away but there's a lot i mean even though it was only a year there was a lot that i i learned just working with howard and just watching how he how he treated the job
1: i'll tell you man that last segment and i know it's still available like if you go to the, the wjr website I'm, I'm sure it's still there yeah that got me man yeah. and i will tell you i've always like I, I don't know him well in fact i just met him for the first time in person last year. i'm talking about jeremy white no oh, jeremy, i'm talking about jeremy. jeremy white yeah i thought what he said the way he put yeah. a rap on, you know, his his final words on the air, at least for Howard, I really, it moved me, man. I, I thought it was really cool. If you watch it on the video side, because it was on, there was a video of it as well. Sal comes in yeah. to the room, doesn't even say anything, but he just, he, he told me, you know, you know, I had to be there for that moment right there. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when Jeremy was talking and then Howard signed off, man, it was just a. Uh, that was really good radio. You, man.
2: you weren't able to see it because obviously it's an audio medium. That, and then I think Brayton Wilson was the one that was recording the video from the corner yeah. of the studio in the control room. I'm behind the board and there were there were a dozen or more people, maybe 20 people behind me, like wow. sales staff and, you know, staffers from B.E.N. down the hall or even star. I think Rob Lucas maybe was in the room like there was just. Everyone in the building was like, I got to see this. I got to see it up close and personal. And there were tears in that room. Like, I was trying not to tear up. I'm trying, like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the board there. It's going to make sure everything's under control and we're good timing-wise. Like, we're whatever. Final segment. Um, I just remember, like, there's 20 people behind me and, like, 18 of them have to be, like, tearing up right now. It was emotional. It was the I Because mean, it, it was genuine.
1: It was genuine. Well, exactly. exactly. I was a genuine guy. It's one thing to be in the market for as many years as he has. What's another thing to be the type of person that he's been yeah. and be so universally like, you know, I was joking with you over some wings before we uh, started taping this. And I'm like, you know, my name's Patrick Moran and you're Joe DiBiase And there's Sal Capaccio and, and Jeremy White. Howard is power. There's no Howard, Howard Simon It's yes. Howard. I say he's like Beyonce or Madonna. Like he's a first he's reached name. That, basis. He's reached that first name basis yes. here in Buffalo. People just know him as Howard. Not even so much Howard Simon. And I just think that's uh and a really endearing um, trait for him to have. Come about working with Sal now because now you guys are yeah. doing the extra point show every day from ten to noon. What? Yeah. Is, how has that? Been?
2: I, I like Sal and I've built an, an incredible chemistry. I think. Yeah. He was at the start hosting with him. I mean, knew Sal forever. I mean, I would talk to him every day yeah. at at work. Like through, he would come on, show up with the bulldog, or we we'd do hits if I was on the nightcap. Um, I mean, I knew Sal forever, but I had not really ever hosted a show with him. And it wasn't quite an adjustment, but actually, I mean, unless you go back to like college radio days, actually like the first show I ever hosted college radio was with Nick Mandola um, at Buff State, right? At Buff State used to work at WG Nick used to work at WGR. And like, I I got spoiled with that, but really after college, I never really co-hosted with anybody. I mean, sports talk Saturday, when you're in for that show, you're usually doing it solo. The nightcap was a solo show. I'd have a producer there and that that's kind of the same but Sal was really the first professional radio show where I ever, all right, we're co-hosts. Like, this is our show. What do we want to make of it? And I would say as time went on, it, it was such a smooth transition. I didn't know how it was going to be at the beginning because, you know, we 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 do have different vantage points on a lot of things. Sure. Um, Sal has a very optimistic view on a lot of things sports-related. Not all the time. Like, he, he definitely stays objective and balanced. Sure. And... I don't want to say I usually come from a cynical end of things, but that usually will be the first place I look is, okay, why is this criticism really like GR at its core sometimes can be a complaint department. And sometimes that can be me naturally instinctually. And I I think maybe that's a good flow between me and Sal. And I think that that became clear to me very quickly. Like within weeks it was, oh, this show's going to be a breeze to do. Like Mm -hmm. we, we don't even have to think about like, we'll just get onto a topic and go for an hour about it. Um, and I, again, because Sal was a reporter and I was a producer and he had more host experience than I did, but I didn't know how that was going to go. And I would say after a couple of years, um, I mean, it is, it is, a, it is a breeze to do the show with Sal, not to say we don't prepare or anything, but I could do the show with Sal in my sleep. No doubt.
1: I totally understand what you're saying. Like I do this podcast with a lot of people, Joe Yurden, I do it with every week and yeah it's, it's like, all right, let's go. Yeah. You know what I mean? I already know. I know kind of where he's going to go with a lot of things. He knows where I'm going to go with a lot of things. So it's when it, when you have somebody, when you have that chemistry with somebody, it's yeah. a lot easier to prepare. I, I think Sal too. The other thing to his credit,
2: he has. I mean, he is kind of the point guard of the show. Like he is very good at getting his own opinions mm-hmm. in there, and but he does really steer the ship. Like he he goes topic to topic. Like what are we going to talk about in this segment? Like he, he he's the point guard, and he allows me. To make a basketball, to keep with the basketball reference. He allows me to kind of just hang out on the three point line and just shoot. Um, and I appreciate that from him. And, you know, I, I think that was another thing. Like, I didn't really know what our roles would be going in, in terms of that. And that, that's, that's a very good, like, we just pick up on it with each other. He's going he's gonna to go topic to topic. He'll toss it to me, and then I'll toss it back to him. And then
1: we're just we're off and running. What is the process like? And what was the adjustment like getting used to working as early now? As you are. Like you said, you for yeah. the most part now, you're on the air daily right now from six in the morning all the way through <laughs> noon. That's first of all, six hours on the air is a lot, period. I don't care how many commercials or other segments or guests that you have, that's yeah. still a lot of work every day. But just getting used to getting your body physically, mentally used to to getting up and having to do six hours yeah. of radio five days a week, man. That that. Pretty much as a toll, I would assume anyway, because I'm not doing that shit. It, it was I'm doing a podcast at night because you're a night guy. You said, that, "Oh yeah." Man.
3: What's I'm, that adjustment I at been all. like? It,
2: it, I was I was the guy that when, as we mentioned earlier, when I was going to Imperial on Friday nights and then Doc Sullivan's and then Molly's, like, I, why was I able to do that? Because I was up to, until two o'clock in the morning every night. <laughs> if it wasn't going out, which it, I was not going out more than once or twice right. a week, I was up playing video games till two o'clock in the morning, or I was watching whatever. Whatever sport game started at ten o'clock, you know I'd be watching the Clippers or whatever. So I was a night owl for sure, and I w- was able to do that because working Chop in the Bulldog, you know, it was it's a shift where you go in at what like one or two o'clock and you get out at like nine, so mm-hmm. you can sleep in till ten. Sure, and it's 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 a, it's not it's not hard. So starting the process of getting up for a show that starts at six. I mean, you really want to get up between 4.30 and 5. That was the biggest adjustment. Honestly, just honestly, the sleep schedule. I, the yeah. preparation, I could do that the night before as I'm watching games and just seeing what's going on on Twitter throughout the day. I'll listen to Chopin Bulldog and podcasts the day before um, just to kind of pick up on what's happening. But, but the two biggest differences, I would say, are absolutely the sleep schedule. But I will say that I did transition easier than I thought. Like, yeah. I can go to bed now at 8.30. I don't do that every night. I usually shoot for it and usually ends up being more like 10, but I can go to bed at 8:30. Um, that's the, by the did way. Did it I'm take not... you a
1: while to get used to that? Cuz I struggle. If I go to bed earlier than I'm used to, I can't sleep well. Like I yeah. wake up maybe an hour and a half, 2 hours later and I'm like my body just don't feel right. Like, no, it took you a while?
2: It it did. It did. I, I would say the getting up was always easier than going to sleep. The getting up, I, I compared it for a while to, like, I was getting up, my body thought I was getting up to go on vacation. Because the only time my entire life, I was up at 4.30 in the morning, I was about to get on a plane to go to Florida or to go to right. California or something. <laughs> True, yeah. So, I, the, the going to sleep, though, yeah, that was an adjustment. Because your body clock for, you know, five years is, I'm going to bed at, it's between midnight and 2 a.m. Now, suddenly I'm trying to go between, usually, again, like, 9 and 10 is usually what I ended up going to bed at. And that was definitely an adjustment. But Again, now like if the Sabers are are playing, I'll go to bed at nine thirty and fall asleep at ten. There's a game on; I'll say, up till ten, um, and I'm able to get right to sleep. So the sleep schedule's worked out. And then the one other thing that is a transition was a transition was doing the nightcap before. And like I would be sitting there, I would listen to the morning show a little bit in the morning, maybe listen to a podcast along the way throughout the day, and then I'd be sitting there behind the board as Chopin Bulldog did their show for four hours. So. Honestly, without I couldn't I didn't have to write one thing down the whole day, and really, as the nightcap would begin at seven o'clock, I would have twelve hours of preparation yeah, already in my I, brain because sure. I've been listening to it all day. Yeah. So the difference there would be I'm no longer you know I'm not twelve hours prepared. I'm now starting you know that that day of, of conversation. Um, and it, again, it can a lot of, it will a lot of times be carryover from the day before. But that's another adjustment that you know I would say I've gotten used to. But it is different for sure. Just, just having to be like you're the first one, you're the first voice on the air or uh, in the world, really. Every day when you're talking about sports,
1: I, I'm sure you have a lot of fun at times with some of these saucy complainers, the ones who like to go it. nuts and get their voice it. on the radio. Does ever get a point though where it gets frustrating? Like you want to say something, you want to yeah. get something out a certain way, and no matter how, no matter how well you articulate it, people are just going to call and have whatever their takes are going to be, no matter how crazy deranged some of them might even be yeah it, 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 i would probably i don't know maybe your your, your demeanor probably is better than mine <laughs> my I, I don't know man my patience level would probably be less than what i would assume yours and sales and everyone else's how do you deal with some of these like the sauciest of callers you know the ones who are just like come. i man. i think
2: that that's an interesting
1: question Makes for good radio though
2: it makes for good radio and i was exactly the same way before i really was on the air a lot yeah. like you if I heard a caller say some of the things that you've heard, we had, we had someone call in a couple weeks ago that said Ed Oliver should play middle linebacker. <laughs> by the way, like the third time someone's tried to make a different player a middle. Someone tried to make Josh Allen a middle linebacker a month ago, and then Ed Oliver, just Rousseau, just okay, let's stop this. But if, if, I, was, if I was a listener and I was, and I heard that, yeah, I would be like, man, are you kidding me? Like I'd be frustrated as heck. Maybe I'm trying to figure out what the difference is, because when I'm on the air and I'm hosting, I love it. I love it. Maybe it's because I like to spar and go back and forth a little bit. But now that I'm thinking about it, one difference might be when you're on the air or when you're driving around your car listening to it, they can't hear you. I can tell the guy from the car, you're an idiot, and you're not (laughs) at Oliver. Here's a million reasons why he can't be a middle linebacker, but he can't hear me. The difference when I'm on the air and that guy calls in, why maybe I like it is, oh, he can hear me, and I'll go back that's a and forth. Good point. I don't want to. I don't want to. You never want to jump down the guy's throat and dissuade people from calling in because the callers are the show a lot. So I don't want to dissuade them, but I, I do like the back and forth. And when those guys call, I'm, I'm into
1: it. I'm into it. Uh, that's a good take. I never thought of it that way. They, you get to say what you want, and they can hear it. We're yeah. Common. Listening yeah. on my radio, I can start yelling and screaming and they ain't hearing me, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. Quick funny little story. And this is when I was younger, teenager. We used to call WGR, me and my friend Anthony. I think I might have told this once on the podcast. We used to intentionally troll the coach, Chuck Dickerson. He would be on the air for oh. WGR. I I'll never forget it, man. We would talk. I remember my friend Anthony said the Bills need to trade at Dre Reed right now while he still has some trade value. And again, we didn't even believe that take. It was yeah. solely because we knew the just coach. Got to fire him up. You know a how it bit? is when you know a kid, and you're like, I could get him riled up real easy. He's kind of like that with the coach back in the day. He at WTR. seems
2: he seems like someone that would have been a little
1: easy to well, rile he'd up. get fired up. Just a guess, we would troll him up. We would troll him up purpose just to watch the coach explode on the air. Um, so, <laughs> so we're talking about what you do on the radio and your process with that. And again, now you also. Are the hosts of Locked On Sabres. Yep. Which is a podcast. And it's not like you do it once a week. This is like almost every weekday as well. Yep. How the hell? When do you fit that shit in? It's easier now that I'm working in the mornings.
2: When you get out yeah. at twelve o'clock, you got the rest of the day really to to fit it in. It's tougher when like sometimes you want to do like a game preview episode and like you want to get that in as early as possible. You don't want to bring you don't want to record that at four o'clock because mm-hmm. the game starts in a couple hours, but Otherwise, that it has it's been easier to do the podcast after you know the schedule change, just to have the rest of the day. So it's it's not it's really not that bad. I I I thought I would be someone that would want to fit a nap in all the time, and I've I've really gotten the habit of not needing it. So because you know I I come home and you know I'll do a, I'll walk the dog or I'll take him to the dog park or something. Um, if I have a couple errands to run, like I, I usually will, do, it'll be one of the first couple things I do after the show i like to do at least one thing whether even if it's just lunch just something to space it out and not just go six hours of hosting boom home right to another show um so it it, it, it's not as bad as you might think and honestly like it yeah it's every day it's every weekday but it's it's a 20 to 30 minute podcast so it it's not it's hard in the summers i guess to create content and it goes down to three days a week in the in the summer um but I, I will say it's not—it's not as big a challenge as you as you might think, and it's why I like I, I've continued to do it. I mean, my schedule is definitely hectic, and I'm on the air a lot, and you, you know you can very easily get you know run down just being on the air. A six hours on the air is a lot different than a six hours behind the board. Um, but I I do think because it's only twenty to thirty minutes, and the teams made it easy this year to do it too. Oh, We're sure. talking, so yeah, it's it's not as bad as you might think.
1: Locked on the, the not just the podcast that the whole network for locked on has really grown, man. And I know videos had a lot to do with it. I talked to Joe Marino, Joe's on, yeah, with you every week on WGR. Joe Marino, of course, I'm talking about hosts of uh, yep. locked on Bills. Locked on it.
2: There were no, with last time we talked that may because I got uh contacted a couple weeks after the podcast mm-hmm. we did in 2019, there were no locked on any Joe shows, they didn't even exist. Wow, and they've added 32 new shows on that channel, they've added like Fifty other shows. I feel like between college sports and like they started, you know, experience or getting into like solo shows. So really, and the network is like light years beyond where it was when we talked. And last you've time.
1: really that network has really grown their presence on the video side on YouTube. Yes. I've had some conversations yes. with Joe about that. He says, you know, they it's not it's really so you got to record it anyway. So it's not really that much extra work to get it up on, on the yeah. internet for them. And he says this show's grown a lot just yeah. by being discovered. You know, having to show up on the video side on YouTube every day.
2: Yeah, the the YouTube side, I actually have found it easier to do like editing or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It maybe because you're looking at yourself on the, the computer screen and you're not live, but maybe it feels more live. Um, I do it in one shot every time, and but, that was not that did not used to be the case. I'd have to edit shows and like I got to cut this out or I stumbled here and then I stopped. Like but, so for some reason because it's video, I do it in one shot all the time. So you're like Joe's right, like. If you're gonna do it anyway, what's the difference? Gain your audience on YouTube. Yeah, um, there is a little extra revenue that comes with that too. Sure. your audience is not quite the same. I'm Sure, you know too. It's not quite the same as your audio audience, right? Um, but the, the YouTube part of it has helped a lot, and they really they do a good job of of keeping you motivated and you know just continuing to grow around you, pe- keeping people connected. You know, on different shows, they'll help arrange like. Hey, the the Sabers made a trade with the with uh, the Wild for Jordan Greenway, um, and they'll they'll like they'll throw both you and the Wild host in a DM chat. Right. Like you guys got t- if you got time to get together, like any chance you want to do a crossover show, like we're right. both on. Like they're very good about that. Um, they help you a lot if you like you have extra legwork like editing or like in terms of production equipment and such. So, and it does help for sure that they have a they they have a, a con. What is it, a co- content partnership agreement with Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So the two companies I work for being, you know, in in cahoots together, I should say. Um, that's made it. That's made it a lot easier for me as well.
1: All right. Well, you mentioned editing. This show is live from Imperial, is live. so there's going to be no editing yes, going fine. on. We are going to take a quick, like, literally five second break, and we're going to be right back. All right, we are back here live from Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo I'm with Joe DiBiase. We banged out some wings, talked about your job, your career. Let's spend a couple of minutes at least talking about the Buffalo Bills here. So the draft's in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, you're on the air every day. You're talking about it. You're you're uh, fielding phone calls from fans. Where's your hat at right now with this draft? Because I feel mm-hmm. like... There's so many positions that we discussed. There's one glaring, obvious hole that they have, and that's obviously middle linebacker. Yep. Does that mean automatically, though, that they're going to address it early? Like, where's your head at right now when it comes to this draft?
2: It could. I, for me, I'm not a big fan of them doing going middle linebacker. It's almost it's not too easy, but I'm all on the receiver train. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you listen to the morning show, me and Jeremy are both on it. I, I want the wide receiver in the first round. They have yet to do it really, with this with this regime. Diggs, you know, withstanding. They did trade a first for him. Sure. Um, but I think a lot of the struggles this team had last year was when they couldn't get receivers that would get open. It was just Diggs. Gabe Davis, with the ankle injury, might have hampered him a little bit. But I think this team needs more guys that get open. When they were at their best, they had four receivers that were consistent. Uh, in Allen's first breakout year, 2020, John Brown was – what, the third best receiver on the roster? Maybe fourth? It went Diggs. You had Diggs, you had Beasley, you had Sanders, not Sanders, you had Brown, and you had Davis. And then the next year, Brown out, Sanders in. You still had those four. You had four guys you could trust that would get open on a consistent basis. And last year, you had two. I don't need you to get back to four. Can I get to three at least? And I think they've already made some moves that help that. I like Trent Shurfield, and I like Hardy. Me too. But let's be real. They're not guys that have done a lot in the league. I like their profiles, and they're, I think there's going to be more there for them. But I can't trust that. I would want to take another shot, at a, a shot, at a receiver. A lot of guys are in that range. Zay Flowers is in that late first-round range from from Boston College. And he, I mean, when I hear Tyler Lockett clone, I'm in on that. Yeah, Jordan Addison they've met with, the USC receiver. He, you know, smaller in stature too, but... For me, separation is the number one thing you look for. Quentin Johnson's the one where, like, if they do it, I'm still going to love it. He's a receiver, but he's more contested catch guy, bigger body. He sounds like a, he sounds like a Gabe Davis clone. I was going to say, he's
1: a little bit bigger, faster, Gabe yeah.
2: Davis-type player. So I'm not going to be mad if they do that by any means. Mm-hmm. I won't be that picky, but I want to see them go receiver. For, this is the other thing. Receiver, every year we could have this debate. There will always be a need on defense. Like At some point, if you're going to eventually do it, you're going to have to pass on that big, large need. This year, it's middle linebacker. But next year, Ed Oliver's a free agent. Next year, it'll be defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that, oh, Von Miller's 33, 35 years old. Now I need another defensive end. And then the year after that, oh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are gone. Now I need a safety. Then Tradavius White's 33. Now I need a think. Cor- I just think, right. I think every year there will be that big need on defense. And I just don't want this team... Every year, just to be like automatically, oh, I have this big need on defense. That's right. what they're going to draft in the first round.
1: It's like they're putting band aids on a on a unit. You know, I had Tyler Dunn on a couple weeks ago, and he was yeah. kind of saying the same thing that you are right now as He's well. All, in on, and and all yeah. in on just offense and weaponry. Yeah. Period. Obviously, wide receiver. Kind of. Let, let me ask you your, your your opinion because I think this matters when you look at the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. On Gabe Davis. You mentioned an ankle. He was hampered by that last year. And also, to his credit, Cole Beasley, who at times has been very outspoken against the organization, but he is very high on Gabe Davis. And and if you follow him on Twitter or seen him come across on Twitter, he's been defending him a lot lately. Talking about, you know, he's going to work. Nobody works his ass off harder than he does. He's going to work his ass off. And he also talked about maybe a reason why his catch percentage is lower than a lot of others when you go per target is because of his route tree. You know, they throw deep to him a lot. And, by the way, again, we are watching this live, and I think the Detroit uh, Red Wings s- just scored twice. Twice in yeah, the so four to to four Yeah, so went from 4-2 to 4-4. That's, uh, that's not good. But, anyway, back to Gabe Davis. My here. under's
2: dead, by the way, already. <laughs> the under is dead.
1: Okay. The under is officially dead. <laughs> I think it's been dead. But, yeah, man, we talk about Gabe Davis. The like cold pieces, like I said. Yeah. You know the routes that they have Gabe run. He throws the bottom deep a lot. That the completion percentage is going to be lower. Where where do you stand right now with Gabe Davis, who is going into a contract there? And also two part here for you because I think this is affects too what they might do in the draft. Khalil Shakir, what are your thoughts on him going into year two? Uh,
2: starting with Davis, I was super bullish on him last year, mm-hmm. super bullish. And I mean, I was drafting him in fantasy. I was thinking thousand yards, double digit touchdowns, like. The guy was one of the most efficient receivers in football for, for two years, and he just wasn't playing a lot. And every time he touched the field, big place. I, I, I wanted to see an expanded role from for him, and he was fine. But, yeah, like I guess we'll never know how much the injury really hampered him. A high ankle sprain, or maybe it wasn't a high ankle sprain, but it was an ankle injury um, for a guy that that he's not a burner. He's a downfield threat. He wins down the field. He he's got those long strides. He's a good contested catch guy. Not a great guy. His number stunk last year, I know. Um, but for his career, he's still pretty good. Um, I I just think the ankle injury could have been bothering him, and you know more focus on him than you know if you drafted a guy in the first round or maybe Hardy and Sherfield can help this out. You could focus on him because all you have to do is take digs and double cover digs put a top corner on Davis or bracket coverage him and like you could take him away pretty easily. So I think the whole offense could be helped by another receiver, including Davis. I, I'm i not at a point though, even thinking there's more there from him where I'm like in the idea of paying him. I think they could though. Like, I really wonder if they're going to do it and do it before the season. They're going to pay him. Um, but I don't like the idea of it. It would probably be what between ten and fifteen million a year. That's that's what guys like Alan Lazard got eleven. I know Jacoby Myers eleven. Michael Gallup's a good comp for Davis. He got I think twelve. That's a good range for him. It is. I something about the Knox contract and if they were to pay Davis, it would it would say something, right? It would say these guys are yeah, they're they're bills and like they've been a part of our system and they're good workers but on some level it would be we're going to settle for our guys even when they're only pretty good they're both pretty good players neither of them are great neither of them are like top tier at their position and that would be two guys on offense where you'd say yeah they're pretty good all right we'll, we'll pay them like i i think i think i'd want to try to replace guys like that try to get better from guys like that so i'm not on board with paying davis i'll i'm open to being wrong and open to having them to need pay to pay more if he sure balls out this year. Um and then on Shakir, I like I listen I like the prospect of Shakir. I, it's crazy to me though some of the hype he gets. I mean, yeah. I know he's a good prospect. I know he's got some good traits. But come on, he was a fifth round yeah. pick that had 10 acting catches. Like he, acting like he's a
1: first rounder. I get that.
2: I just I'm I'm not telling you to kick him off the team. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he should be cut. I think he deserves a jersey on game days, and you know what? Put him on offense here and there. See what he's got. Maybe special teams. You don't um, want to rely
1: on him. You're not ready to go no, into year no, two no, Relying no, on no. him. Say, listen, if a good receiver comes here early in the draft, we're not going to take him because I feel really, really good about Khalil Shakir going into year two.
2: And right now, isn't he there on paper starting slot receiver?
1: Probably him or Hardy. Yeah.
2: I'm, I don't mind him being in competition for that um, with a, another rookie, but I would, be, I would feel <laughs> I would feel on edge if a guy that had 10 catches in his first year as a fifth-round pick was, oh, yeah, he's, he's going to take a giant step as our number three. Yeah, maybe. He might. He has the athletic traits to do it, but I, you're right. Like Super Bowl or bus-type season, I would not want to bank on that guy being my number three receiver. I'd feel much more comfortable if he were my number five.
1: A, uh, a good friend of mine, to your point about taking a wide receiver early, made it had a take, and I couldn't agree with this more. He said – the Buffalo Bills, right now, as things stand, are a Stefan Diggs high ankle sprain away from having one of the wackest wide receiving units in the whole NFL.
2: If he got one, yes. Let's say the season started tomorrow and he got an ankle injury. Where are you at? You're at Davis and Hardy on the outside, and then Shakir and Sherfield in the slot. You're New yeah. England at that point. New yeah. England with their trash receiving core. With a better
1: quarterback, sure. Yeah,
2: You're, you do have a lot better of a, you have a lot better quarterback, so they will look better. Ah, uh, than the New England guys will, but I, I don't want to be Green Bay. Green Bay, I, I can't. I can't imagine what I would have been like in Green Bay the last ten years. You, this is, by the way, this is me. I sound like this. Sound des- see how desperate I sound for them to draft a receiver. This is after two years. No, wait, one year. One year, really. Of okay, they need to draft a receiver in the first round. Green Bay went 10 years with Devontae Adams as their number one, and they never spent a top three-round pick on a receiver. And I guarantee you if I were in Green Bay the last 10 years, every year I would have been doing the same exact thing.
1: (laughs) Just don't be Green Bay. Just don't do that. Let let me pivot to another position, but still a weapon for the offense. Let's just say for the sake of discussion, because this realistically could happen, let's say Jackson Smith, uh, Majigba, and Addison – and and Johnson, and even Flowers. Let's say somebody gets them at 22, 23. Those board receivers are gone, and you don't have a first-round grade on anyone else. Yeah. Would you be okay with this team is currently destructive, which I I suppose comes down to what you think of Quentin Morris, but let's say Dalton Kincaid and Michael Meyer from Notre Dame and uh, Darnell Washington Washington. from Georgia. I'm a big fan of him. One of those three guys, even though the Bills have Dalton Knox and they gave him a big contract, what, yeah. Where would you be at if the Bills said, you know what? I really like this tight end. We're going we're gonna to have a, two tight end sets a lot. We're going to switch some shit up, and they took the tight end. But do you think that's a yeah. bad allocation of resources with the first-round pick?
2: It's not somewhere in the middle. It's not my least favorite idea. It's definitely not my favorite idea, though. I think this team got consumed last year with instead of investing in receiver, we'll invest in pass catchers. Mm-hmm. And like Quentin Morris, Quentin Morris last year played more snaps at wide receiver than he did tight end for this team. Yeah. And Naheem Hines played more snaps at wide receiver than he did running back. How'd that go?
1: Not, not great.
2: They're, they're not receivers. So <laughs> for me, if it were to replace a receiver, it's not my favorite idea whatsoever. Um, if they just did it because they had a first round grade on the guy and there were no first round receivers that they had and they, they did want to do it it just didn't fall right for them, and they do plan on doing it in the future, then I'm, I'm okay with it, as long as this team is just not opposed to investing heavily behind digs at receiver. Um, but I just wouldn't want it to replace it. And I would, want, I, would, I would say expectations shouldn't be that high if they were to do that. Okay. Washington or whoever, like the, the nature of the tight end position is it takes years for those guys to develop 99% of the time. I looked this up recently that in the last decade – there are only two rookie tight ends that have had more than seven hundred receiving yards. Two really? in ten years. It wow. was Kyle Pitts at a thousand, and Evan Ingram had uh, like seven fifteen for the Giants, and that's it. Everybody else, it takes a couple of years. Travis Kelsey, it took a couple of years. Gronk, Gronk actually might predate that. Gronk might have been one of the last guys that like balled out as a rookie. Um, but for the most part, you just can't expect big expectations right away. So I, I'm not saying the guy wouldn't contribute, and maybe he'd be like a you know the red zone offense struggled last year. He doesn't have to get 700 receiving yards. They could draft Darnell Washington. He has 400 receiving yards, be has eight touchdowns by the red zone, and that's worth it. I, um, I I just I would I would want to manage expectations for how big a role
1: that that player would play in their offense. I I think of Darnell Washington, and I just think great fit because yeah, the way the Bills like Giant. Bobby Hart was consistently like that he, six offensive line. He played more snaps at tight end <laughs> yeah, than, than he did the line. Tight end eligible. Right. Yeah. Now you got Darnell Washington. He could be that six offensive lineman, basically. He's a tight yeah. end. He can get open. He can catch the ball, and he can produce in the red zone. So I look at that as a fit. If, if yeah. that comes down to Ken Dorsey making it work, should that come down? And again, I still would prefer a wide receiver, but I'm sure. operating under the scenario that we talked about where those first four, they're all gone.
2: I will say it does – on the offense – it's not my favorite because that would be receiver. It's honestly not my second favorite idea on offense either. It's definitely third though. Mm-hmm. Second favorite for me, I do like I kind of I'm falling for the right tackle idea a little bit. Yeah. I don't need to rush Spencer Brown off the team, but I saw a mock draft today from Pro Football Focus. And actually there was another one from CBS yesterday that both had the Bills drafting uh Dewan Jones. The yeah. monster Godzilla right tackle from Ohio State mm-hmm. who's like 6'8" 370. Yeah. Just a mammoth. And He's going to be a first-round pick probably. Maybe he goes early second round. Um, And my reaction to, like, right tackle would be, okay, that's a a key position. That ranks, for me, above tight end. Like, things you want to have figured out. Like, quarterback, of course, is number one. For me, number one receiver is number two. Left tackle. And then maybe center should be above right tackle. But right tackle is, like, right after that. Like, I, I want to have Allen protected as well as possible. And they already made one investment in the O line and Connor McGovern to kind of to upgrade that that whole unit. Brown was so bad last year, and I'm willing to give him some pass. Brandon Bean talked about this end of season that like he got an injury in training camp, and maybe you know he didn't have a full off season, and maybe he just wasn't right the whole year. I'm 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 open to that being right, but what happens when that's not right? And I got a hole at right tackle the whole year, and oh, this yeah. just uh, the guy's getting beat over and over. Allen can escape pressure, and he's someone that can make up for that as well as anybody. But I, I watched the Eagles last year for a whole season. I mean, they allowed Jalen Hurts to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And Hurts, he's still, I think he is a great quarterback, but he's not Allen or Mahomes. Why do you have Allen or Mahomes' numbers? The guy had 20 seconds to do whatever he wanted back there. He's the best O-line in football. And little jealous, a little jealous of a team that can protect their quarterback and allow him to do whatever he wanted. And that is another fix to not doing receiver. If you're not going to draft a receiver, I need one of two things. I need the guys are going to open quicker, or I need to give Allen more time in the pocket. And that would that would satisfy the need. I think if they got a right tackle and he was an upgrade.
1: And you got to look at the market with tackles, what they make. So to be able it's to get a expensive. guy in the first round and keep one for yeah. five years would be big. Yeah, Orlando
2: but, Brown got like twenty million a year. Yeah,
1: crazy man. And I I heard Joe Marino on Locked On Bills talking about. Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, who most have been projected as a second-round guy, he said he would be happy if the Bills took him in the first. He thinks he might play his way into the first. You mentioned Brandon Bean talking about Spencer Brown. And look, offseason is a lying season for GMs. We we all know that. (laughs) I'm afraid, though, that he might be authentic when he feels really confident in Spencer Brown. I would be on board with taking an offensive tackle for sure. And let me ask you this, too. How much pressure do you think is on Brandon Bean right now with this draft? Because I was on a show last weekend, and Joe Goodberry from a he has a Bengals podcast, really yep, good dude. Yep. he was running off Niagara the difference, Falls guy, right? Yeah, yeah, Niagara Falls guy. Yeah, he was running off second or day two picks, not first round guys. We spend look, we've been talking now for twenty minutes about exclusively the first round. Yeah, you know, he ran off over the last like four or five years, day two picks for the Bengals and how good those guys have been. Yeah. And you look at the Bills, and they've hit on some draft picks in the first round. And you look at most of their day two picks during the Brandon uh, Bean era, and it's not great with well, Singletary and Moss. And, well, Dawson Knox has been a pretty good tight end. But AJ Epinesa, Boogie yeah. Basham, you know, the – Terrell Jason, Bernard didn't right. really even
2: play last yeah, year. Yeah, Terrell
1: Bernard and, and, and yeah. Joe Goodberry was talking about. This is why I think the Bengals have more tail than the Bills right now because the Bills have not done a great job yeah. of adding top, top, top-notch talent yeah. On day two, do you feel like Brandon Bean's got to start drafting? But I don't think his job's in jeopardy. That's not what I'm suggesting. But no, no. there's pressure on him. He's got to start hitting on these picks with more consistency.
2: He he may be one of his saving graces. He's made up for it a little bit with hitting on some day three picks. Um, sure. I mean, yeah. Matt Milano headlines that group, right? Like Milano redraft well, that, that draft. He's a first. Oh, you're right. No, that's that McDermott. That's McDermott, right. before. Like yeah, or
1: still like Dane McDermott, Jackson. Really. Dane Jackson was a really good seventh round pick. They have Christian on. Benford. Looks Christian like Benford a Benford nice looks like a good one. No, sure. but you're right.
2: Like in large part, the day two picks, they've been for the most part misses. Yeah, um, or at least you know even lukewarm, the guys lukewarm, yeah. So you know pressure. You know maybe not pressure, but if they wanna if they wanna make sure they're above teams like Cincinnati and Kansas City are right there, then especially now when Allen has this contract, it's more important because you're not able to, you know, you're not able to uh, supplement with free agents as much as you used to be able to. It, when they, when they missed on, and this wasn't Bean either, this was McDermott Whaley, um, when they missed on Zay Jones. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Cause they had money to go pay John Brown and Cole Beasley. Right. It was fine. When they missed on, who's another day, a day, the second day guy that they kind of missed on when they missed on Boogie Basham. Was okay, they had money to go pay Von Miller. Like, they they had money to do things that's probably not going to be the case anymore. I say probably because Bean just continues to figure out ways to pay, um, even with that contract, um, with Allen's contract. It will be harder though, so it's more imperative, I think, that he hits on these picks even than before. Um, also, a way to do that, just stop drafting running backs in day two, man. (laughs)
1: Stop drafting running backs. I don't think you're gonna see that this year. I know a lot of people. But John Robinson is a popular name. I don't spend a second of my life thinking about him. Not because I don't want him on the Bills, because he's not yeah. going to be there. He's not going. He's not going to be there at twenty-seven. So save your but, energy, folks. But I would like,
2: yeah, I would like to have confidence in Beam. That like this, is, I want a receiver in round one, right? Right. I do want to see them invest in middle linebacker. I'm not saying I don't. I just prefer receiver over it. I'd prefer to say receiver in round one, middle linebacker in round two. I guess the question is, one, is there a player that fits in that range of the draft, and how much confidence do you have? In Brandon Bean's ability, in the second or third round, he's going to draft the middle linebacker. The guy can be plug-and-play. I'm, I'm still not thinking that he can't do that. He does have misses, but uh, I, I would still have enough confidence in this GM that if he drafted a middle linebacker on day two or a defensive tackle or a right tackle, that th- those guys would be in competition
1: for snaps right away. That's, that's very fair. My, my final take with the Bills draft is this. I'm with you with the first pick, man. Go get yourself a receiver, an offensive tackle, even a tight end, and I can live with any of those, and I'll be fine. I brought up this point last week, too. So the Bills have a comp pick. They're going to get a comp pick, a third-round pick for losing admins next year. I think that matters right now, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Let's say the Bills are picking at 59, and let's say Jack Campbell or Sanders is there maybe around 38 to 42. Yeah. The Bills can package that second-rounder 59 and give up a third-rounder next year, and they'll still have one because of the comp pick that they got. And they can move up earlier in that mid to earlyish second round, and they can still go get their middle linebacker.
2: The other idea I do like for this is, especially since I, I, I still can't figure out where those linebackers are going to go because a lot of people have them mocked in like the early twenties, and then others will have them in the second round. And All none, over the place. Yeah, none go in the first. Yeah, the, the idea I like if, if there's a ru- especially if there's a run on receivers, trade down. Yeah, trade down. Get extra assets. Get ex- two second round picks, maybe one early and draft a receiver and a middle linebacker in round two. That that to me is not a bad idea either, especially for a team that only has six draft picks in the entire draft. You want to add some draft capital? Do that. And I'm not sure if they, they've really done a lot of trading down. They've done a lot of trading up. Um, I don't think they have trade, not in the first round. They certainly, have. Yeah, maybe later, down. maybe later in the draft at some point they, Oh, James cook. I guess they did that.
1: They, and traded, the second down round, they traded down to get him. Yeah. But,
2: like I like that idea. If, in draft Jack Campbell or Sanders early in the second round and just the the, what and actually if you want if you need to trade back up in the second round now I've created extra draft capital for myself to move back up or I can use that third round pick to move back up Um, I just I got to see them draft a receiver in the first two rounds and what I don't want to have happen is what happened last year what happened last year I think they will probably wanted a receiver in round two and the run happened right before they were on the clock and the Chiefs traded up to get Sky Moore. Mm-hmm. The, the Steelers got Pickens. The Patriots drafted Tyquan Thornton. There were like six, seven receivers that went right in front of them. And, the, and by the time they were up, there was nobody worth the pick. I just, I don't, I don't want to be the Bills to be in a situation where I'm looking at where they are in round two and going, oh, there's no
1: one left. Just,
2: I, I just don't, don't let that
1: happen. I agree with you about the trade down scenario unless if the bills want to get an offensive tackle from everything i've read and people i've talked to and there's, there's there. only a certain amount of first round graded talent at offensive tackle and you yep. want somebody who's going to come in and start no controversy you're yeah. drafting a white tackle in the first round he's starting anyway at the end of the first round you got the bengals and the chiefs who very likely are going to be looking at an offensive tackle in the draft too so the bengals have, might not anymore right because of well, brown well, or are they, they still they well yeah they they signed brown but now they're looking to trade um Jonah, oh, Williams, right, Jonah Williams, and, and who knows? They might even cut Collins after Collins just one can't year. healthy?: he, yeah. yeah, he might, he might be a, right. a cap cut. So the Bengals and the, and the Chiefs are two teams that could definitely take a tackle. So if you want a tackle, you might be, you know, flirting around with danger, yeah. trading down too much. If that's the position you're targeting. Otherwise, I completely agree with you. And yeah. on a team with a lot of cap issues coming up, you know, they're kicking the can down the, the road with some of these guys. They restructure. They're going to have to pony up you got to start hitting on picks. You can't expect them to hit like the Chiefs did last year where all these star guys are playing pivotal roles. Yeah. But you also can't draft, and the Bills have been notorious for this, you can't draft one starter and then a bunch of guys who are going to be brought along real slow. Yeah. These guys are going to have to contribute early on, I think anyway.
2: Well, in the Chiefs, I'd have to look back at the exact amount of picks they had. Were the Chiefs really that much better at drafting or did they just have more picks? They had all that capital from trading Tyree Kill away. That they had more lottery tickets. To, and the, I think the Bills had it.
1: better depth, too. I mean, the, the Bills' had better depth. injuries and, and lack of depth, a lot of those guys were forced into, uh, you know, to play, to get on the field quicker than the Bills. One last thing here, too.
2: Yeah. Go for it.
1: We could talk to we're blue in the face. We could talk until Sunday morning about the Bills and offense. Yeah. Let's not forget who that coach is and what's, what his identity is. It's defense. I, I it really, is. I want you to be right. I want to be right. I just have a difficult time thinking that. The Bills are not going to say, you know, we need to fix this middle linebacker spot. We got four defensive tackles. None are under contract next year. Let's go get one early if he's there. That's what concerns me.
2: That is probably right, and their draft history would tell you that is right. They have not spent a first-round pick on offense other than Allen, right? That's still right, isn't it? They've not spent a first-round pick on going back to 2017. Correct. So you're probably right. The coach wants to solidify his defense. I will give the coach some credit, though. And this is why I'm open to it. He has called receiver the Bills fastball multiple times throughout his tenure here. And I will say that even though a lot of their draft capital goes to defense, this coach really ha- he has overseen one of the pass happiest, one of the most offensive football teams in the league for the last five years. And maybe that's just because they hit on the quarterback. Um I'm, that's why I'd be open to it though I think you're probably right but I would be open to the coach going all right receiver really is our fastball all right let's do it I I, I can figure out something Bernard or Dodson or I, I can figure out middle linebacker shouldn't that be the attitude he, he takes by the way yeah if you're if you're such a good defensive coach on some level I would like to think you don't need a perfect middle linebacker that He's got Milano next to him. He's got Von Miller in front of him. He's got Poyer and Hyde behind him. He's got a good. He'd be insulated. Whoever that middle linebacker would be. That what what would he look like? How bad would the Bills' defense get if it just if they went with Dodson and Bernard? I
1: I agree with you. That said, I would bet. He's at right. a dollar that I don't think Dodson or Bernard are going to be the Week One starter at a probably right middle linebacker. Uh, we'll see. I just got two quick Sabers questions for you. I'm sure yeah. you're going to talk a lot about it on the air. On Friday, I wanted to say tomorrow, but again, people are listening. <laughs> this it's on Friday, you'll be talking sure. about on the air, Locked On Sabers podcast, Devin Levi tonight. Notwithstanding Thursday night, and again, we're only loosely watching the, you know, since eight yeah. hey, o'clock because we've been taping the, uh, I mean, this show here. But yeah. tonight aside, whatever we saw the first two goals and whatever it is, what it is, he's still a great prospect. He's looked really, really good his first two starts. This is his first time he's playing consecutive games in the NHL. So. Let's throw this game right out the window, no matter how it ends up turning out. Not important for the purpose of what I'm going to ask you here. It's becoming obvious next year that Devin Levi is probably going right to Buffalo. Probably not in Rochester, right. right? If you care about your fans and marketing and PR, Devin Levi starting the season in Buffalo. I just, yeah. I don't see a scenario where he does not I guess my question for you is, A, would you, do you agree with that? And B, let's say that is the case. Who's the odd man out? Obviously, Craig Anderson is gone after this year. But UPL yeah. or, or Eric Homery, who's the odd guy out? Who goes to Rochester? Who gets dealt or traded or waived? How, how does this play out in your mind? Can I answer both? Yeah.
2: I might want to answer both. I think if Levi takes the net for next year, and everything's pointing to right now, I think that that's going to happen. Even You mentioned we're loosely watching the game. like The goal that just went in on him. It's a wrist shot that goes off Owen Power and into the net. Who Mm -hmm. Power's standing off to the side behind Levi. Right. Um, I think Levi is tracking towards starting the year in Buffalo. And if that happens, they've got decisions to make. Comrie, to me, I just, I don't, not to be mean to him, I don't ever need to see him in a Sabre uniform again. Mm -hmm. So to me, Comrie's an easy wave. You just, you couldn't trust him all year. And the way the cap works, you'd save like one point oh five of his one point two five or whatever. Like you'd save almost all of his cap hit by sending him down, and they shouldn't care anyway because they're twenty five million under the cap. Right. So Comrie, find a place for him to play the way you did with Matt Molson once upon a time. You just sent him to Hershey, right, or Ontario, wherever they sent him. Um, AHL. If someone in the NHL wants to claim him, I would waive him. Um, Comrie can't be one of their two goaltenders next year, and Lukanen I'm, I'm more open to that. I might even want to predict that's where they end up, is that they will go Levi and Lukanen. But I, I, I can't get there. Lukanen at 23 years old, what is he really shown? What, where is the proof that he's an NHL goaltender other than circumstance and other than they needed goalies this year? Right. Like they just they didn't have anybody. Anderson couldn't start that much, and Comrie was not good and he got injured. So they just needed Lukanen to be in the NHL. Because since the day he was drafted, and we've known he was a second round pick in six foot five and raw, the day he was drafted. Yeah. Since then, got a nine an, or excuse me, an eight ninety-three save percentage in the AHL and an eight ninety-six save percentage in the NHL. So I've got a guy that has not performed in the AHL, has not performed in the NHL. Yes, he's got the tools, yes, he's got the raw ability. He needs more time to grow in the, in the AHL. I compared him to Allmark the other day. Allmark, remember, who's now going to win the Vesna, he showed up for the Sabres right away when Robin Leonard got hurt, and then he went away for two years. Mm-hmm. And he played entirely in, in Rochester, and he didn't make the NHL's regular until he was 25. That would be two years from now if you're looking at him. But the problem is, because he's played so much, the start of next year he needs waivers. So what yeah. do you do? I don't think Rochester, unless I'm missing something on the cap, I don't think he can go to Rochester. So i got to make a decision. He's either one of your two goaltenders, or you've got to trade him. And who's the right partner for Devin Levi? Two unproven netminders, two young guys like that? I would feel a lot more secure if the Sabres flipped their goalie value from a 23-year-old with, with still potential in Lukanen, And try to find a team that maybe is rebuilding or is starting over a little bit in goal and see if I can find a goalie between the age of like 27 and 33 and more secure, more solid. I, I think a veteran, proven goaltender doesn't have to be great would be the right partner for Levi. Kind of actually like what Boston did with Allmark. Jeremy Swayman, who is a great young goalie for the Bruins, he was coming on strong right before they signed Allmark. Same thing as Levi. He played 10 games in the NHL, great save percentage, great record. And they said, okay, he's got to be one of our two. Who do we pair with him? They had another good prospect that they traded, and then they signed Allmark. And I don't need the Sabres to pay $5 million over five years for a, a new Linus Allmark, but that type of guy who, who was Allmark at the time, he was an above-average starting goalie with injury problems. Yeah. Even, there's, you're not going to find the perfect guy um, I've mentioned Thatcher Demko. I, I had a caller today bring up Mark Andre Fleury. I don't think he'd come here, but if he, he's had a d- good year in Minnesota, so I'd be into that on a one or two year deal. Um, that's where I'd end up. I'd end up with Levi's going to be one of your two goalies. I gotta have something more rock solid in case there's turbulence, which always happens for young goaltenders. And if that does, the turbulence happens, I need a better plan B than Eric Comrie and Uka Um
1: disappointing in Eric Homery. We had a lot of hopes for him coming from Winnipeg. He looked really good in a limited backup role did. last year. It just didn't really materialize, and I'm not sure that it ever will in Buffalo, and especially with Devin Levi clearly in the picture. One last thing, too. I noticed this on, on your Twitter today, and then also Matt Bovee from Channel 7 as well. You guys were going through some line projections. Potential, yeah. you know, it's way too early for that, but it's always fun to do anyway. It was for going, my own mental sanity Yeah, your own, yeah, after your that own mental loss. sanity. That's what you said. <laughs> but um, I noticed both of you at uh, Matthew Savoy among yeah. your Sabres 12 forwards. So, you, you think there's a reasonably good chance I do. that he can end up starting the season next year in Buffalo because he can't go to Rochester. Right. So, it's either going to be in Buffalo or he's going to be back in uh, the Canadian Hockey League, the CHL. A player needs to be 20 years old by season's end, which he's not, or four seasons approved to be able to play right. in the CHL. So I got I to check.
2: Gonna check what he's doing right now, or what his point total is up to. He's had nine points in four, six goals, three assists, nine points in the WHL playoffs in four games so far. So juniors, he's crushing it right now. Every sure. night, I'm seeing highlights from somewhere out in Manitoba or Alberta that he's just he's making guys look silly. Um, I don't, I don't know how how confident I feel in it. I feel like it's possible. He he was a top ten pick. I, I always like the Danny Breer comp for him. I, I do, you rarely see guys that small with a shot that lethal. And if, he has great hands, too, and great awareness and great speed. But the shot. Guys that are 5'10", 5'9", and have shot like that, like, he really reminds me of Breer. I know it's a lofty bar to set sure. for him. But he was a top-ten pick, so maybe it's not that unfair. He, him being in the NHL next year comes down to one thing. Do either Zemgus Girgensons or Kyle Leposo come back? There's a goal,
1: by the way. Uh, <laughs> as you can tell, that didn't even need to announce it. What a wild it. game we're, we're watching game. here with an Imperial. But,
2: but Savoy, like, man, the, the lineup I had the other other day on Twitter, I had Savoy and Yuri Kulich on, on the third line with Casey Middlestad. And then I had Jordan Greenway with Tyson Jost and, um, and Peyton Krebs on line four. It's mm-hmm. like a, a defensive checking line. Krebs has really done good defensively, he so I, I trust it. That team that I put on paper on Twitter, this is the youngest team in hockey this year. Yeah. That team I put on paper is even younger. Wow. Yeah. Because think you'd be trading out Giergenson's and Oposo for Savoy and Coolidge. They're all nineteen. I I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I the thing is though, those guys are going to show up at some point. So they gotta go somewhere. I mean, I didn't even have Olsen on that team. I was just assuming like he would get traded. And that's not, you know, you, It could happen. I would not assume it. Um, what happens if Savoy's ready? That's that's my question is if Savoy's ready, is there room for him? Because they've done a good job of not blocking development this thus far. But there are so many forwards now on this team. And I I don't know where I'm at because I think if it's even close, I think if it's even close, they might say, We'll give him another year to cook in, in in the WHL and we'll bring him up next year. I think he would really have to blow their doors off to make the team next year. But the reason I put him on that team is because if you see what he's doing in juniors right now and where the reason why he was drafted, he is capable of blowing their doors off.
1: You're pretty confident Kulik will be a Buffalo Sabre next year.
2: I think so. I, man, he's been so good in the AHL. He's an all-around player. You can, you can put him on a bottom, unlike Savoy even. Well, I guess I did have Savoy on a bottom six line. But Coolidge more so because he's a little bit more defensively responsible, it appears. Um, and I think he's done some penalty killing in Rochester and whatnot. I, I think he's someone that you can, you can have play 12 to 15 minutes a night, bottom six, maybe give him some penalty kill minutes, and be in the NHL as he grows his offensive game. He's just been I almost feel like he's been too good in Rochester. Yeah. His development is, is off the charts right now for his age at the AHL level. So he seems ready to me already. So I, I think so. I think I would bet yes and feel decently confident about it with Coolidge uh, versus... And a Sabre score again. The Sabre this, score is a, again.
1: this is a pretty... Oh, Cousins with his second in the night. What a wild podcast 31. this is turning
2: into. Yeah. Versus, just to finish the point, versus Savoy, where I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful that he could. I would love to see him. He's, I'm, I'm as excited about him as any Sabre prospect uh, right now. Um, it's just a little bit trickier with him because of, as you mentioned, like the AHL. He came with the AHL situation, so he may just end up back in juniors. I don't know.
1: And for people who might be wondering, well, the Sabres are just going to get rid of lock Post, so when well, they they can because they're unrestricted free agents, and
2: they and might all not they have a do choice. Not,
3: they just
1: don't sign, resign. It.
2: They might not have a choice. I mean, I I might want to think they bring one of them back, um, and that might come down to Gergensen's. G- Gergensen's. I think he's, he's a good fourth-line player. I, I like him. I, yeah. I think he's become a fan favorite again after maybe a couple years of being forgotten about. Um, I wouldn't blame the guy, though. if, if he's, he's like every Sabre fan. He's gone through all this, this drought with us. Yeah. I wouldn't blame the guy if you know Tampa called him and said, hey, you want a three-year deal, $2 million per? He, he might just say, listen, I gave you 10 years. I, I would like to go try to win a cup or go try to make the playoffs. Right. I, I wouldn't blame him for doing that. But maybe not. You know, the Sabres are getting close, too, and they're showing guys like that that, hey, we're getting close. So maybe he comes back. Um, I I might want to predict, though, that both aren't back, that it would be one or the other. If Gergensen resigns, maybe if Poso retires. um, And if Gergensen doesn't resign, maybe they call Poso and say, hey, you want to do one year, one million, come back as captain?
1: Two quick uh, side notes here as we wrap up. This game right now, as we're we're wrapping up this live stream and this podcast, it's 6-4 at Buffalo. Six, this is four. An, this is I bet exciting, the
2: under people.
1: <laughs> this is an exciting what? game because they've given up four goals. Levi, from what I get, I haven't been able to lock in because we're doing this show, but regardless if they were good goals, fluky goals, they're playing well around him. They're putting up offense on the road against a team that's like, you know, they feel like they got something to play for. So that's one thing. Yeah. And then the other thing is just we tend to overreact sometimes when a player comes here and he doesn't sure. do something early on. Like Greenway sure. was getting dragged. On Twitter, I might have... I did it a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was just saying, I might have did a little bit of myself as well. He's got three goals in the last handful of games. So, you know, he's giving them good production, and that's pretty much what you should be able to uh, expect from him. So let's just chill sometimes on the the quick knee-jerk reactions. And that's coming from somebody who, other than Nate Gary, is probably the biggest (laughs) knee-jerk reactor in the world, talking about myself.
2: Does that apply to Devin Levi also? Because we all kind of just did that with him for two
1: games, didn't we? Yeah, we anointed him.
2: I feel okay with that, even
1: still. I mean Sure.
2: Part of that though is Levi, I mean, Greenway was struggling before he got here. Levi was just came off the greatest college hockey career that we've ever seen from a goalie. Mm -hmm. So I guess the hype before they got here, you know, should play into that too a little bit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) All right, we're gonna end with two questions here. Sure. Non sports questions. Number one, I want you to give me an unpopular Buffalo opinion. Like an opinion that most Buffalo people might not find popular. Like I'll give an example. Oh, mine. I got one. Like for you. mine is, I hate blue cheese. I think blue cheese sucks, and I know people <laughs> in Buffalo that's like sacrilegious to say. That's just my take. But
2: like, you don't like ranch either. I don't like ranch either. Yeah, so I don't like either. That's not. It, it's not as bad as it could be.
1: Sure. Of that's a take. True. All right, What's yours? It's
2: not too far off, actually. I'm not. I and I, I say this from I, I, from Imperial Pizzeria. I, I do like it here. I'm not a big fan. Not I'll go stronger. I do not prefer buffalo style pizza. Oh, okay, deep crust. Not not even deep crust. Like I was just What what do you like? Thick crust. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm, a, I'm an extremist when it comes to pizza. I either like the really thin like new york style crust yeah where i can fold it you know or or i like i like deep dish pizza like that chicago style i don't know if you want to you know some people want to tell me that it's not even real pizza maybe you're right it's delicious i don't care if <laughs> you call it pizza or not um i like the i don't get chicago deep dish pizza it, it, it's, it's hard to find maybe around here i found a couple places that have it yeah um not qu- nearly the same as like authentic but I, I love deep dish pizza and i like new york pizza and Buffalo Pizza, I eat it. Trust me, I eat it all the time. I eat, I'll eat it here. Um, but if if you were asking me how to make the perfect pizza, I think the dough on my pizza would be like a third of the size of what you get at most, most Buffalo pizzerias.
1: But that's a good take. That's fair. I, I like New York pizza. I'm not a big deep that, dish fan like you, but I do like the thin New York style pizza. Is that pizza. hot takey enough? It's very hot takey. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, last question here. So I ask you an unpopular Buffalo opinion. What is uh, what's your You've been here your whole life, now Western New York, anyway. Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your single favorite thing about Buffalo?
2: My favorite thing about Buffalo,
1: living here, and, and I mean, I, I like I a lot Buffalo, of things. I mean, Western New York, but Buffalo.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I, I love a lot of things about it. I never I never want to move. I never want to move from here. If I have
1: it my way, I will never move from here. Um. You don't love Detroit scoring as we're still so Detroit scoring. Now it's six to five. Six man. to five. I bet the double, under people—they're going to double the under at this rate. Unbelievable. Right.
2: The fa- My favorite thing. I mean, it might change day to day. The other day, I might have told you it was the trap that it's, there's, I never run into traffic. Um, I don't know. I I think it's a tough question. I feel like I should have a good answer because I have like I should have a list of things. Um, uh, like we we have. Like I'm getting married coming up in June, and like our table setters are like they're buffalos, and like our uh, whatever you call it that you sign when you come in, like it's a giant wooden park. buffalo. Um, like we have buffalo decorations all over our house. I I'm wearing a She's hat right there. now
1: with a buffalo on. Yeah, it's, it's your pride. You pride in this city.
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, other than just like I'm from here, like I I like someone that is now experienced more and more like big cities. Like I, I didn't travel a ton as a kid. So now that I've been to more and more big cities, I, I like that Buffalo is a a decent sized city with a small town vibe to it. Yeah, I, l- I like that I'm able to get around easily. I'm able to walk almost everywhere. Um, the beer scene is incredible; like breweries all across, like there's a, a, a lot of great places to hang out and go out with friends. Um, the food scene is incredible, and as you know, the, the development on the waterfront continues to get better and better. I I just I like spending time. In the city, and a lot of you know East Aurora. Like, I, I'm not really answering the question, I guess. But no, you are. It's,
1: I like. I like. I of being here.
2: Yeah, man. I like that. It is. It is a uh, a big enough city that I I can go anywhere. I could go to East Aurora and be there in 20 minutes. Sure. I could. There really maybe I'm getting to it, it's just is drivability. I can experience the whole area without having to travel, uh, taking two hours to get there.
1: And let me tell you, buddy, as somebody who lived for five years recently in Florida, that's something you should not take for granted because, God, all it takes is one car accident in Florida and you're stuck somewhere for two, two, three hours. I'm along the same lines with you, man. To me, it's, well, two things. Number one, football's a religion here, and and I love that again.
2: I should have answered the sports scene. Yeah, really. I I love the sports scene. Waking
1: up on a Sunday and going to Wegmans here. Target or wherever it's going to be that weekend. It's a sea yeah. of bills gear. It's awesome. And coming from Florida again for the last five years, it's just nobody seems to care. And then the other thing is just community, man. People rally around each other in these communities so well. I'll, I'll end this by talking about quickly here, Imperial Pizza. I had a friend who uh, has stage four cancer, and he's from South Buffalo. He lived in Florida. He came back for, we threw a benefit for him. And this place it gives like 15 party pies for nothing, for free. Wow. They, no questions that's asked, because they donated, and people from all South Buffalo, not even South Buffalo, just all over show up. Yeah. When somebody goes down, people pick you up here. You know what I'm saying? There's not, you know, it's not a perfect city. There's a lot of shitty stuff about Buffalo, just sure. like anywhere else, but sure. this is a town where everybody picks you up, man, and it's a community. It's yeah. a legit, true community. There's neighborhoods, and you can't say that in a lot of other places.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good way of, of putting it, because you feel that. You yeah. feel that. I mean, you feel that on Bill's game days, even, like... That's, sure. I, I think that's really why I became such the big the biggest sports fan that I became, and why I'm so ingrained in the Bills and Sabers is it, you feel like you're a part of something. Yeah. And I listen to listen to the Dan Lebatard show a lot. They're a Miami based podcast, mm-hmm. and I love that show more than anything. But they just from listening to them over the years, you just you do not get the same thing in cities like that. Yeah. Like I, it's just it's not it's not the same. They, they were talking about recently on that show how Miami was just in the Final Four, and after they advanced to the Final Four, they, they like went out like to celebrate with each other, and just you would never have known.
0: Yeah.
2: You would have never known, just going about Miami, you would have never known that their college basketball team just made the Final Four. Yeah. And if the Sabres made the playoffs, or the Bills made the playoffs, or the Super Bowl, or won a playoff game, and you went out after, you would know it. <laughs> If you didn't watch the game and weren't a sports fan, you would know it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's – think that's something that happens everywhere, but I really don't – the sense I get is it's not everywhere.
1: I couldn't agree more. And, again, limited Florida, I saw that uh, first in. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it. That's going to do it here live from Imperial Pizza. Again, 1035 ever Road. Awesome wings. Good menu, Amazing man. Not I even mean, just the wings. The wings probably aren't even the strongest part yeah. of the menu here. But, anyway – Make sure you follow, I'm going to say, my cousin <laughs> on Twitter. at <laughs> <He has>. Sneaky <laughs> Joe Sports. Get your lazy ass up in the morning. Listen to yes. him and, and Jeremy, or if not, then you can get up listen to him and sail at 10 o'clock or, of course, check out Locked on Sabres podcast. My man, Joe, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, too. All right, guys, that's going to do it. I will be back with new shows next week. Take care.